Okay, good morning to Shavuot Tov. Today's daf is daf Tzarihei. Um, today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas, Gila Bas Yitzhak Yisrael, Halevi, and Orakler Bas Gershom, and Eliyahu Benyon. May the Shomers have an Aliyah, and may the memory be a blessing. And it's also for a full shleimer of, is it Hadassah? Um, Hadassah Basraina Edel. May she have a complete and speedy recovery. And also for the Ilunishas, Harav Avram Chaim ben Eliezer Yaakov, Elek ben Favish. That's Rabbi Tanza's Yotzat is coming up. When is his Yotzat? It was, I think, just after Yom Kippur, wasn't he? I think it's known. His birthday was always Sukkot's time. I know. And so we're going to start from the Mishnah at the top of 95a. It says, Misha Yodosu Beis Noshim. If someone was married to two women, Umachar Esogehu, and he sold their field, the cost for Rishoyne Lelokeach, Dinud Barib Eimi Imach. And the first one writes to the Lokach, I have no claim against you. I Basically, I disregard my rights to claim the land from you if, I would, if, it, if the scenario arises that I, that I get to collect my land. And just, you know, just before we go further in the Mishnah, just to get the, the basic background principles clear, we know that obviously the woman, all the husband's property becomes bonded to her ksuba. Which means if the husband subsequently sells property, she can collect from the lokach. So in this case, again, the man, he was married to two women, but one after the other. So we're going to have a Rishoina and a Shnir, a first wife and a second wife. Remember, the first wife obviously has first rights to collect the ksuba because the land was bonded to her ksuba before the second wife. And then the second wife also has first rights before the buyer because the land was bonded to her ksuba before the husband sold the land. Um, and as we've just read in our case, the Rishona said to the buyer, I'm not entering, I, I withdraw my right to claim from you this field. But remember that, uh, we'll see if we'll, the Gemara will touch on it, but that's much more advantageous to the husband because if you're going to buy a field that you know there are two silvers which have a lien on that field, you're going to be much more reluctant. Will the husband have other land or other money or other ways to pay off the ksuba? So that's, um, so she writes to the Lokath, the first wife writes to the Lokath, Dinut Vorim Aini Moch, I have no claim against you. She says, Hashniya Moit, so then what happens? Hashniya Moit, Miha Lokath. The second wife can come along and take it from the Lokath. It's the first wife who can't take it from the Lokath, because she's the one who said that I'll, I'm not going to enter into discussion, but the second wife can. Oh, But then the first wife can take it back from the second wife. Why? Because she has first rights to the husband's property, because she was married first, her tuba was first. And again, she, she just said to the Lokayach, I'm not going to get involved with you, I'm not going to extract land from you. But now the second wife has the land, she says she has no problem with extracting it. Oh, but then, min But then, the Lokayach can come back and take it back from the first wife. Because <laughs> now the first wife took it from the second wife, and the Lokayach said, wait. You and you've got my field. You can't. Uh, um, uh, you said you wouldn't. Uh, you wouldn't keep my field where it caused uh, against me 
So I want it back. So give it back. And she would have to give it to him. And the circle continues endlessly. The cycle. I don't understand. It says here that he sold his sheep. He was alive. The husband sold, yeah. He sold the field. Yes. Is that not the end of the transaction? Why oh. should I mean, surely he got paid. They did a deed of transfer. They did yeah, because remember, the women are there with their silver documents. They're creditors on the estate. But, but he's then they have a, cl- a claim against the estate, not a claim against the person who bought the field. Yeah, so, so remember that um, according to uh, Torah law, your lien on the land stays forever, no matter how many times but, it's transferred. But then, then, then surely it's going to, to inhibit the, the purchase market. and sale of market, inhibit the purchase and sale of property. Why would you ever want to do that? That's why it's an advantage. Sorry? That's why she says she has no claim. Yeah. Well, that's good with the one wife that gets but around. The second wife is the second wife. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, it will, it will uh, restrict the market. That's Even then, at the 50s, all the land went back to the original owners anyhow. I suppose. But I'm saying, but this would apply in Bible, South Africa, everywhere. I'm saying if you're following Torah law. Um, just, I mean, the. Yeah, we'll see a little bit over the page. There are times when it doesn't apply, but that's the. It, it would affect the market, but it's also. I mean, it's to protect the creditors, that they their lien. If I have a lien on your property and you can just sell it and I lose my lien, that's true. Then you, then it's a cost to the thing. So I think the the main uh, it, it will obviously affect sales, but also as long as when he buys land, the person has other land, the bond moves to that land. We'll see that on the page, or did we see that yesterday? And uh, when. Uh, If he pays it back in another way, this is only when they would end up coming and taking from it. Yeah. So, so what do they do? So again, it's this endless cycle. The second one taking from the locale, the first one taking from the second one, and then the locale taking it from the first one, and then again the second one can take it from the locale, etc., etc. So the Chazeres Khalila says, Achi Hasub Shara Benayim, they have to come to some compromise between them. Says and so to Balchov and so to a. So Gomorrah right at the end of the parak will explain that. Here we are. This is the last dark of this parak. So he says, so the Gomorrah asks, but key cost Mahavi. What does it help that she writes Dinudvarim Aili Imcha? We said that the first woman wrote out, made a deal with the Lokayah that she will have no monetary claim against him. What is that? What effect does that have? She says, but we learned in a brisa. Someone says to their friend, I have no claim against you on this field. I have nothing to do with it. My hands are withdrawn from it. All similar terms of basically making an agreement with this guy that you will not claim your claim it in court or anything like that. She says, Law Omar Plumi hasn't said anything. I, you can't just withdraw your claim on a field. How do you affect that? Granted, I tell you, or even write a document and say, you know what, I'll sell you this field and I have no further, or so-and-so selling that field that I have a, a lien on, I have no claim against it. Granted, I write such a document. What legal weight does it carry? It's a, it's a nice thing to say, but, you know, when, it comes, when push comes to 
Crunchy, I think, got it based in and still claim it. What is it? That's what the Gemara seems to is asking. So he says, um, no, it says, Hakabah Ma'as Kinnamish Economy Yodah. That's where they did a Kinyan. We learned that this is actually going back to a Sukya earlier on in the Masechta, about two weeks ago. So that's, but there you can do a Kinyan Chalipin. He, he hands the Serbian over in exchange for the rights, and that does affect. Uh, that does affect the transfer of the rights. So it's not just saying it or writing a document, it's actually doing an Akinyan to affect the statement. Exactly how the Akinyan works, I'm going to leave, we discussed, um, as I said, about two weeks ago. So, in this case, even if they do a Akinyan, it shouldn't count because she should be able to claim I only did it as a favor for my husband. Oh, sorry, not as a favor for my Yeah, to be my husband's good, good books. Okay, here you have, like, you, like your concern, Mervyn, he wants to sell his land. They're, under, they're not prepared to offer him full price or no one's prepared to buy it because he has, his wife has a ksub on it. So what does the wife say to her? She says, you know what, I'll write out this document, we'll do a Kenyan that I don't have any claim on it. But there she's not doing it sincerely, she's just doing it her arms are twisted by her husband. So, so she should, and where do we see that that's a valid claim that I didn't really do it, I only did it to be in my husband's good books? It says, Me, Lloyd, tonight, did we not learn in a Mishnah? In Gitin, Lokath, Menaish, Lokhazba, Lokath, Menaisha. If a man, if he buys it from the man and then he buys it from the wife, I, this was a case of her. What's her Nisei Maluk. So remember, Nisei Maluk, she owns the actual land, but the husband has rights to the produce. So the husband sold his rights, and then the wife sells her land. Met for bottle, the sale's invalid. It says, We see she can say, I didn't sell it sincerely. I did it uh, to be in my husband's good books. So, so what's our question at the moment? Our thing should be the same. Our Mishnah, it seems to contradict that principle because our Mishnah says the first one wrote to this buyer that she has no claim she's withdrawing her lien on his land from him but we see in uh, Gittin that any time a woman does that sort of transaction we assume that just that the sale would be invalid so either way even, even if the if you establish the scenarios where she did an effective Kenyan to withdraw her rights on it, it shouldn't stand because she can always claim And the mission in Gittin, which says we, a woman can cancel the sale because of Nachas Rochas Isidabali, is Rabbi Yehuda. Where? Now there, yeah, just to emphasize, granted the Balchov or the Ksuba can collect from the Lokayach, she can't collect as long as the debtor owns land. Okay, so remember, let's say the man had two fields and he sold the one, the woman, even though initially she had a bond in that field, she can never go and collect from that field while her husband still has a field. That's what's called B'nai Chorin. You always have to go to the B'nai Chorin, the free land, not the bought land before. So, as he says, the Tanya we learned in a, in a price, if he wrote a document to the first one, 
but the wife did not endorse the sale. She didn't say, I'm okay with the sale. Or the Shani, and then she, he sold it to a second person, another field to a second person, and she did endorse that sale. If the she loses her That's Rabbi Meir's opinion. What do we see? Again, by, by signing the, um, what's it, Chosmola, is when she basically signs the sale, she says, I'm happy with it. I'm, I'm not going to, going to alleviate the buyer's concerns. She signs the sale that she's involved in, she's happy with it. So Rabbi Meir says in that case, she loses her ksuba because now she has no land to claim. The two fields were sold and she... Yeah. So again, so the, she can't collect from Lokash Rishon because he left the second field. And she can't collect from Lokash Shani because she signed the deed of sale or the title deed saying that she's not going to claim from it. So that's Rabbi Meir's opinion. Now she can claim, I did it as a favor for my husband. I wanted to be in my husband's good books. says, So what claim do you have against me? Ah, the woman, the, the second one comes along and says she can't collect from my... Um, the second one says, but you wrote, you signed a document saying, I'm kind of giving up your rights to claim it from me, to claim your lien. And she says, look, I did that to just be in my husband's good books and it falls apart. So what do we see? On the surface we see, Rebbe Mayer holds, the woman cannot claim dinud worry and I did it as a favor for my husband, whereas Rabbi Yehuda holds she can. So that would be our Mishnah, is where the woman does not have that claim, and that's why this, her, her, her document to the buyer that I have no claim against you is valid, whereas a contributor, it would not be. Of a Rebbe, Stamlon Hacha And over here, Rebbe is like, just writes the Mishnah in, a, in conclusion with Rebbe Meir. And over there in Kitin, he concludes it like Rabbi Yehuda. Okay, carrying on. Omar um, Popper Popper says, no, but Grusha, but Divra Kol. You can actually say it's a woman who's, um, where she wrote this document is after she got divorced, and that fits in with everyone. Why? Because a woman who's just got divorced can never claim Nachas Ruach Sisi. I was doing it to being my husband's good books, I just got divorced. She doesn't want to try. She's not trying to stay in his good books. So again, so our Mishnah is a divorced woman who then signed off that um, um, that would work even according to Rabbi Yehuda because she obviously according to Rabbi Meir who seems to say she never has that claim of Nachas Rocha but even according to Rabbi Yehuda. Says Ravashi, so that's uh, that's that way of learning. Ravashi Omar, a third way of learning. Kula Rebbe Mehi, both Mishnayos or Rebbe Meir. Says Vaadkan Lo Kamar Rebbe Meir Hosam. Rebbe Meir did not say it over there. Ela Bishnei Lo Kuchos. It's where there are two buyers, the Omri Law, because they can say to her, E Isa the Nachas Ruach Obadita. If you are only doing it to go get in your husband's good books. Of the Kama Iboy Leila Mavid, you should have also signed the first title deed. Again, the mission in Gittin is remember, there were two sales, and she only endorsed the second sale. If she's, and, and what's her claim why she can still collect from the first one? 
because she didn't endorse that sale. But, oh sorry, sorry, what's her claim while the second one doesn't stand? Her, her, her endorsement of the second one doesn't stand because she was doing it too, being a, getting her husband's good books. Well, if that's the case, you should have done, they can tell her, you only did it for the second one. If you wanted to get in your husband's good books, you should have endorsed the first sale as well, made it easier or more valuable for your husband. So clearly, that's not what she's trying to do, and therefore, she doesn't have that claim. But where there is only one buyer, and she endorses the seller, if may agree that she has the claim of, I was doing it to get in my husband's good books. Umar Nisin, and Al Mishra, the cost of Lola Acher, is where she wrote it for another one. Al Mishra, very interestingly, is where she wrote, sorry, where the husband sold one field, and now he was selling a second field where the woman wrote this document. So again, she does not have the claim of, I was doing it to get in my husband's good books, because then we ask her, well then why, if you wanted to be in your husband's good books, why didn't you endorse or write this document for the first sale? Okay, so that's, um, that's an explanation of, this, of, our, of the first part of our Mishnah. Again, how does it work and um, how does she not have the claim to cancel her document saying, I just did it to be my husband's good book and we explain why she doesn't. Tonight we learnt in another, in a Mishnah, we learnt in the Mishnah of the day. You cannot collect from encumbered property where there is B'nai Chorin. That means, again, as I said, if the debtor has two fields and he sells one field, you, the, the creditors can never collect from the field that was sold as long as there's B'nai Chorin, as long as the debtor has a field. So he says, and this is even if they are low grade. Remember we mentioned the other day that there are generally three levels of land. It is Beinonis and Ziboris, upper class, middle class and lower class. A creditor can generally claim from Beinonis. However, if the debtor sold off all his Beinonis and all he's left with is Ziboris, the creditor have to collect from the Ziboris. They can't go to the bought property. And you can understand why Chazal established it like that, because again, then it would really make this at least gives the buyers a level of protection and keeps the market flowing as smooth as possible, because he can always have in his mind, look, I bought this field from him, and I know he had a lot of debts, but he had more than enough property with him to pay off those debts. So you always have to go to the Bnei Chayin before you can go to the what happens if the Bnei Choyri gets ruined? Can he go and collect from encumbered property? I, the, on the surface, the scenario would be uh, simply it was a block of flats and it got damaged in a flood or earthquake or something happened to the block of flats. Now, so now there isn't really Bnei Choyri anymore. Do we say, there the are two ways of looking at it. Was, when the, was the bond taken off that land when it was sold and moved only to the B'nai Chorin? Or did, the, did it just change the order of which field you go and collect from? 
uh, you first have to collect from the Neichorin, and then you can collect from, from the Lukuchos. Or did it actually cancel the, the bond on the land that the Lukuchos bought? So it says, Toshma, come in here, I'll, I'll prove it. It says, It's this mission we saw about that if the man sold a field to a first buyer and his wife did not endorse it, and then he sold the, the second field to a second buyer and she did endorse it, she's lost her too, but very It says, now the east out of the if you're going to think that... Uh, uh, yeah. Thank uh, you. Yes. Have a good job. Have a good job. So let's just say it outside before we go inside. Just So, again, in the case where she she still had a lien on the first field, which was sold. The husband had two fields. Someone bought the one field. So now, theoretically, the wife's lien on the land has moved to the second field and in the second field what did she write? I have no claim against the second buyer. So what did Rebbe Matt say? She loses her super. Now we should say if you hold that the bond it's just changing the order in which she collects well now she can't collect from the second field so maybe she should be able to go and collect from the first field. But the fact that it says she loses her super implies that the once if a buyer buys land and he left B'nai Choyri, it completely removes the bond from that land. So that's what it says, that's, that's what we're going to say. If you're going to say that if the B'nai Choyri got ruined or destroyed, he can kill, she can, or they can collect from Mishabdi, Nehida, of the Tsubasa, Mishani, Mirosha, Miyatigvi. Granted, she lost her Tsuba from, she can't collect her Tsuba from the second field because she wrote that she won't collect her Tsuba from him, from the first person. She should be able to collect her Tsuba. Because now she can't collect from the play for him, she should be able to go to the back. So it must be not like that. So Omar and Matwa, yes, I my Ibda, Ibda Mishani. No, when we say she loses her super, we're saying she loses her right to collect from this second field. But Aina Kilami, she could go back to the first field. So it's not conclusive. Now Omar Rabba stayed Shivas with Omar Rabba says, I have two issues with what you just said. He says, Ifta. Firstly, it says she loses her super. Does lose her super? That's Legamri Mashma, that implies completely. If I tell you this woman loses her tsuba, it sounds like saying she can't collect. Not that, oh, she loses it from A, but she can go and collect. She loses it from B, but she can go and collect from A. That doesn't make sense. It says, for order, secondly, Tanya, we learned in another price, he says, If he borrowed from two people, uh, sorry, he borrowed from one person, and then he sold his property to two different people, the cost of Balchov the Lokan Shani Din Udvarim Aini Imach and the the creditors wrote to the second buyer, I have no claim on you. He can he has no right to collect from the first one because the first one could say, I left you place to collect from. I, so, and we should say so to Valaksuba of the woman. So again, what's that case? Um, I owed you money and I sold my land to some one field to Ruvain and then a second field to Shimon. 
you told Shimon you have no claim on his land, can you go and collect from Ruvain? So he's saying no, because Ruvain always claims, I left you a second field to collect your debts from by the fact that you ruined your part, you, you can't. So what do we see from here? That it seems that we've, when the Lokach leaves B'nai Chorin, it completely removes the Shibud from the land that he bought, because there was other land to collect. So the Gemara answers, no, awesome. he would ask it, there he's causing himself to lose out. And he says, there we can go stricter, because in this case, when you wrote to the second person, to Shimon, that you won't collect his field, you're causing yourself to lose out, that you won't claim that field. That was the field that you had a right to collect from, and now you're writing to him that you don't. So what, Ruben should lose out. You're causing your own loss. Then he says, But this happens every day that we see that judges, uh, when when the Bnei Chorin is destroyed, the judges collect from the Lukuchos. I granted what you've said makes sense logically, but we see every day judges obviously. He knew uh, the court records and what was going on in Bajdim. He says all the time we see judges paskining that they can go back to the Lokath Rishon. He says, and I'll give you an example. The Hugabra de Mishkan Le Pardesilachabre, the Eseshani, there was someone who made a mashkan of his orchard or his vineyard for 10 years. How this works is basically he borrows money from him and he gives him his field to farm for 10 years and that pays back the loan. So it's a half loan, half. Uh, Transaction, but that's what we do. Says now what? So, but it was for ten years. So theoretically, you get my orchard. He gets the orchard for ten years. Says the cash lechameshinim, and the orchard aged after five years. I.e., what happened? It stopped producing fruit. So he's not going to get his ten years worth of produce from this vineyard. Says but they came to and they came before the sages because for tifa, and they gave him a document to collect. I from a lokach. What do we see? He was still owed half the loan, and if he could go collect from an earlier lakaf. Says, so, he says, no, there he also, there the buyer is also almost being careless. He's bringing about his own loss because he knows that an orchard is likely to age and stop bearing fruit, and therefore he should not have bought this field. Again, this is, your concern was that people won't buy, and here we say, he shouldn't have bought it. He, um, oh, the debtor has a field to collect, the, the creditor has a field to collect the money from, that's actually the field that he's busy farming at the moment. You sh- you've got to use your common sense, your, you've got to be smart and say, wait, who says he's going to be able to collect his full debt from that field? He might come after my land. And by the fact that he was careless, and not didn't take that into consideration, he'll be problematic. So actually, interesting enough, we've discussed two scenarios. We've discussed whether buyer was careless, the Lokkath Rishon was careless, and therefore he can lose out. The creditor will be able to come and collect from the first field, even though there was the second field left. We discussed before that whether where the creditor was careless, so he had no problem telling the creditor that he loses out. Ah, you had a field to collect from, and you wrote a document saying you won't collect in that field. Like, why well, should Lokkath Rishon lose out? So, but what about a normal case where, like the scenario I gave, where it's an earthquake? 
No one was careless and no one was uh, put themselves on the line. So he says, Navahilchasa, that if the Bnei Choyri is destroyed, then he can collect from the Shubadim. This is like a, a, a principle in law, let the buyer beware. Yeah. The buyer's got to be, be, be aware of what he's buying. Yeah. It's, he must know that at some stage the fields may not produce. The field may not produce, creditors going to come, etc. Interest now, a shibud is only when the debtor has a document. If, if we, if I, sitting in this room, just decide I'm going to borrow a, a two million rand from you and then did it and bought my house, and so my house is not, you don't have a shibud on my house. Because that's not fair, because no buyers have a way to protect themselves from this private agreement. Well, even if they, but once there's a star, then it's registered, you can uh, check it out, the rumors will spread, so you have a way to protect yourself. So then they are, the Chazal have a system that they do try, place checks and balances, protecting all parties and keeping society functioning. It's not like, here, you're right, it is in certain cases going to limit the sale or decrease the value of property, but that's to protect the lenders. Why do they want to protect lenders? Because, again, remember, it's all interest-free loans. We have to motive. We have to motive. Again, you also need, for society to function, you also need people lending money, um, etc. So that's it's all a subtle way up of these uh, calculations. You can argue, I guess you can always analyze and debate as Chazal got the correct balance, but uh, we definitely assume and take for granted that they do. Um, but we have discussed in the Maseth the certain cases a um, little bit relevant to uh, yesterday's stuff, but like where you leave it up to should it deny the judge's discretion and things like that. Would we still apply that nowadays? Would we apply that in our society, etc.? So there are times when Chazal or later uh, sages come along and say, well, it doesn't seem to be working, or in this society we need to change, things like that. Prusbul, heteriska, you know, things like. So, uh, I think it's very, it's a hard part of law to judge when obviously there's a lot of their rules and you've got to keep society functioning. And it, and it doesn't seem to be. Okay, let's carry on. So Omar Abayabai says, Nirsi Loch, if a man said to, uh, as we'll see, this is a non married woman, I give all my assets to you, but after you die, I want them to go to so and so. I'm going to call Plony uh, Ruvain. So what did he tell this girl? I want my property to go to you, and afterwards, after you die, I want it to go to Ruvain. It says, She subsequently got married and then died. So now what happens to the property? It says, The husband is considered a buyer, and no one... The Acharech or Ruvain doesn't have any rights on it. Again, so when someone gave, I think it was the right word, a benefactor, he gave this girl some property. And he told part of the condition was that after it goes to her, after she does, it must go to Ruvain. Now, she, we're going to see it's a discussion, but a buyer's holding that she becomes the full owner of the land and the correct thing to do is to make sure that it can go to Ruvain after she dies. But if she's the owner of the land, so if she sells it or does anything to it, it's 100% valid. 
That's why, again, that's why, when she then gets married and she dies, the husband is considered the one who bought her land from her. And therefore, Ruvain, the person who was supposed to go to, doesn't get it at all. He says, come on, which opinion is this like? So obviously we're going to see that two opinions. Kihaitana, like the following time, the Tanya, we learned in a brisa, nichsei lechov achrechaloploini. If a benefactor says, I give my assets to you, but I wanted to go to so-and-so or to Ruvain after you, Yorat harishon umachar, if the first person sells it, hasheni moitzim yara lekuchos dibre Rebbe. Rebbe says that the second person can go and extract it. It was supposed to go to him, and therefore he can extract it from the buyers. Rebbe Shimon Gamil, I mean Rebbe Shimon Gamil says, no, ain't hasheni elamasha shaharishon. The sheni only collects what is left over by the first person. They, they're looking, they're looking at it two different ways. When the benefactor says to this. Just to keep in contact, and obviously with anyone, I want this property to go to you, and after you die, I want it to go to the to Ruvain. Is he saying Ruvain is the owner? You get the rights to use it in the meantime. That's how Rebbe looks at it. That's why if Ruvain, if if this girl sells it, that's not a valid sale because it, it's owned by Ruvain. She just has the rights to use it. Whereas Rebbe Shimon Gamil says no. What he's really doing is he's giving it wholeheartedly, 100% to this girl. And, the, and therefore, if she sells it or does anything to it, that's valid. And only what's left with her at the time of death would go to Ruvain. Again, because that's the condition the benefactor gave it to her, basically. Whatever's left. Um, interesting enough. Um, yeah, oh, let's see the next line. It will put a, put a bit more perspective on it. It says, So I buy a Paskin like Rabbi Shimon Ben Gamil. That the first person is given to this girl is considered the owner. It says, Would I really say this? Would I have gone out and said that she, what she sells is a good sale and then the Akhrech the or Ruvain loses out? It says, Who falls into the category of this Sla Rosha? Someone who advises someone else to sell their land in this case of Rabbi Shimon Gamil. What's the halacha? This Let's start with the actual beneficiary of this deal. And in this case, we're talking about the single girl. So she should, it's almost it's a nice thing to do, it was given to her, and again, according to Rashbag, it's 100% hers. Rabbi Shimon holds it's 100% hers, but she should, it was given to her, kind of on condition that it goes to the next person after. But it is 100% hers. So when necessary, she would be allowed to sell it. And whatever she sells is a good sale, and Achrecha or Ruben, the guy who was supposed to go after, only gets what's left with her at the time she died. So, but almost there wouldn't really be a problem with her selling it, especially if she has a good reason to, because it is given to her and it's her land. However, if someone comes and advises her, this is the Hamasi Eitzvah, the person who comes in and says, you know what, you know, you're going to lose it. Your heirs aren't going to get anything of this because after you die, it's going to go to her. Why don't you sell it? He's a Rosh Hashanah. Because he's undermining a transaction between two other people, and there's no gain to him actually. He has zero vested interest. It's basically just causing Ruzvain to lose out by giving her this amount. Again, if she needs to sell it, she has a lot to gain. So we're not going to call her a rush or anything. It is her field. But this third party just telling her to do this. He's a Rosha Aram. But now again, a buyer said publicly, if a man says, uh, give my assets to you, and then they go to Plony after, and now she's, you know, 
sounds like a buyer's falling into on the slippery slope to Rosh Aram. He's telling this single girl to receive money. What she's allowed, not allowed to do it. That what she what she is allowed to do it. Says Umi Kamar no. Says Umi Kamar Timasei. Did a buyer say she must go and get married? I that she causes Ruvain to lose out. Nisei's comma a buyer saying if she gets married. I, we never got, no one would ever dream on telling this girl never get married because your husband will have a right to that field and it's not going to go to Ruvain who the who your benefactor wanted it to. Of course she's allowed. a buyer a buyer or a Rosh Arum would say go get married quickly before, but that's not but a buyer saying if she gets married. So now for another case, and this is very similar except the benefactor is giving it to a married woman. Someone, a benefactor, gave the assets to this girl, and then he said, But after you die, I want you to go to Ploini, and she sells it, and then she dies. The the husband is allowed to extract it from the person to who, who it was sold to. And then the person who was going to, supposed to go to extracts it from the husband. Now, why is that? So, again, the benefactor gave this field to this girl and said, After you die, I want you to go to Rubai. Now, as we'll see why, but we have to, we're discussing case of a married, girl, a married woman. So, the husband um, can take it from the buyers. Because she had no right to buy it, he had first right to the field. As we said, when a husband gets married, he's viewed as a buyer of all her nirsayma look. Um, and then, but then the acharecha can take it from the husband. The explanation is by giving the gift to a married woman and saying, I want you to go to so-and-so after you, what's in, and it's another way of saying, I don't want it to go to your husband. So the benefactor who gave it to her says, I don't want it to go to your husband, I want it to go to so-and-so after you. So the husband's not allowed to take it from her. So when she sells, granted, when she sells it, a husband does technically have rights to extract it from the Lukuchos, because in order of who's entitled to buy this land, a husband has first rights, so he can push away the buyers. But in regards to the person who's supposed to end up with, Ruvain, it was given to her on condition that it goes to Ruvain and not her husband. So now that the husband has it, it should go back to the um, Achrecho, to Ruvain. But now we're going to see, but the buyers are allowed to take it from Achrecho, because as we saw, um, a buyer passes like Rabbi Shimon and Kamil, that you get to keep it. That if whatever sold is a good sale, so her sale is a good sale. So again, it sounds very much, and then we leave it all with the Lokath. So again, so what happens here? She sold the field and then she died. So the husband has first rights over the Lokach. The Achrecho has first rights over the husband. But the buyers have rights over the Achrecho. Because remember we said she's allowed to sell it as her field 100%. Whatever's left with her would go to the Achrecho. But she's allowed to sell it. So the buyers have... So it sounds a little bit like a loop again. Very similar to our Mishnah. Remember our Mishnah was a case of the woman who sold, who gave up her rights to collect from the Shane, etc. Same loop. So he says, so the Gemara asks, Why is this different to the Mishnah that the Mishnah says they have to make a compromise, they have to split it? Whereas, what did Abayah just say? We leave it with the Lokach. He says, No, 
says no, because in our Mishnah they're all losing out. They all have an equal interest in it and they're all losing out. The wo- all the women and the creditors are who they've lent money or got the exit, but they're losing out. So they, therefore they split it equally. Here the only person who's losing out is the buyer. If he paid money for a field he's not going to end up with. Everyone else is just receiving this gift. She received the gift. The husband would receive it because he married this girl. The, the Achrecha would receive it after her because of things. So the only person who would lose out in the cycle is the Lokas so we give it to him. Um, it says, This is the first case we bought. says, Would a buyer really say that it gets stuck in the cycle? Says, or, and, then, and we don't view it as a cycle. Didn't a buyer earlier up on the page say that? Where a man gives it to a woman and then she gets married, and then the, and the husband is considered the first buyer and he gets to keep it, and the the doesn't get it at all. So why here in this case do we say that the achrecho gets it, but in the higher case we said the achrecho does not get it? So No, the first case of a buyer was when it was given to her when she was a single woman. Therefore. And, and here, the second case is where it was given to her when she was already married. And that's, oh, what difference does it make? So as I explained, she, when he gives it to this married woman and says, I wanted to go to Ruvain after you, he's saying, I wanted to go not to your husband, but to Ruvain. So that's why the Lokayach, or Ruv, that's why Ruvain has power over the husband in this place to extract it. But again, where she where she was single and the guy said, I wanted to go to Ruben after you, and then she got married. Well, he didn't say, I didn't want her to go to your husband. It was given to you on condition that whatever you have left goes to the husband's buyer. And then we just said, the last line of the Mishnah was, Bechem Balchov. It says, Balchov, And so to a Balchov and two Lokuchos, and so too with a woman who is a creditor and two lukuchos. Remember, this was again going on the Mishnah, which was a case which got stuck in a loop, and the Mishnah very cryptically said, and so to a Baal and so to Isha. So Rashi, the, the Gomorrah has just explained the case. Rashi says it, I'll just read it straight from Rashi. It says, Ruben Nosso Beshimen. Ruvain was owed money by uh, Ruvain Nosso Beshimon Mone, Ruvain was owed a money by Shimon. The Lodge Day Sodos. And he had two fields and he sold them each to two different people, one for 50 and one for 50. The cost of Balchov Lelokayach and the Balchov wrote to the Lelokayach, Shani, do not worry about I have no claim against you. So Balchov, no to me, Anarisha, Balchov can take it from the first buyer. The Khan Ain Lomar, let's leave that. Yeah. The first buyer can take from the second buyer. So what happened here? They have Ruvain and Ruvain was owed money by Shimon and Shimon had two fields which he sold, each for 50. So now Ruvain, Ruvain was owed 100. So he has a right to both those fields. So you can't say this person sold first and this person sold second, therefore I left you field to collect from. You didn't leave him because he needed 100 and you only left him 50. So now the Lokar can actually push him off saying that they were going to So he has a right. And he says to the second one, I won't claim from you. 
So what does the predator do? So the predator says, I won't claim from the second one. So he goes to the first one and he takes the field. The first one now lost his field. His field is guaranteed, so he goes to the second guy's field. Now the first guy has the field, so the predator can go and take it from the first guy. Um, then wait, why is it a, a cycle again? Um, now I'm confused. Oh, the second buyer takes it from the creditor because the creditor told him I won't confiscate the field from you. And now he's got the field that was taken from him. So it's for intent. And it goes in a circle. And then it's basically the same case with a woman and who's a creditor and she's claiming a ksuba. Okay, Hadranlochmisha Hoyonosu, Hadranlochmisha Yonosu, Hadranlochmisha Yonosu. That's very good, John.